Hello and welcome to The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. My name is Sierra and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. From my crazy life to yours, it's time to share our experiences and get into those gritty details. Let's get into it. Hello everyone, we are here with The Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios and today we have Dale. Hi. <laughs> who is a mother, a surrogate, and a true warrior. She has been through a lot of different things. So we're going to go through her story and everything she's been through. So as mentioned in the intro there, you have a child of your own and a child that you were a surrogate to. So tell us the logistics between surrogacy and a baby that you keep. So keepers are always feel so easy. Yeah. Um, because like... You find out you're pregnant, you wait 10 weeks, you go for an ultrasound, mm-hmm. you have blood work done to confirm you're pregnant at some point in between yeah. then and the ultrasound. And then you just kind of start collecting baby stuff, and then nine months later you have a kid. Whereas like with the surrogacy, I flew to San Diego oh, wow. for all of my appointments. Holy crap. Um, every time. So I did three transfers before I actually got pregnant with him, mm-hmm. um, and so he was transfer number three and i also had to go for medical screening before that so i went to san diego four times total just to get pregnant with that baby which immediately right there that's a whole level of uh of logistic that i wasn't really expecting yeah and commitment Um, too yeah and then also there's like weekly blood work weekly ultrasounds lining checks i was doing injections on myself i was taking medication on top of that Mm -hmm every time and it just feels like so much work yeah whereas like when you accidentally get pregnant you really put in no work yeah you really didn't think about it when it was happening you know and this yeah it was there's so much logistically that changes and then the mental capacity of Mm -hmm. like knowing you aren't bringing that baby home Mm -hmm. so you can't do the whole collecting stuff and just waiting nine months for that baby to pop out you're kind of stuck in limbo a little bit more which is something people don't think about no and especially with international intended parents because my parents were in france so i couldn't even get stuff for them here Mm -hmm. and they would just take it home with them at the end Mm -hmm. they couldn't exactly bring it on a plane but they needed somewhere to for the baby to sleep while they were here for a month with him so um that was that was a big like difference for sure. Yeah. All yeah. these things you don't think about. Right. And I'm sure you didn't even think about before going into it. No, I actually originally wanted to be an egg donor. Oh. <laughs> so how did you get roped into being a surrogate? <laughs> I have a very convincing friend. Okay. A very convincing friend. Yeah. And were they a surrogate then? They or? actually own the surrogacy agency that I went through. Oh, okay. And they've been a surrogate seven times. Oh my God. Um, and also have a couple of their own children. I forget how many. Yeah. That's a lot of pregnancies. Oh, yeah. She's a wondrous, (laughs) wondrous human. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess also, like, if you are so... I don't love to say blessed because of the religious aspect of it. But if you are so blessed to have such a wonderful body to be able to produce that many children... She has phenomenal pregnancies. Yeah. And I don't. So... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it was a one and done for you. Hey? Um, I actually considered doing it again. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then I got diagnosed with a brain tumor. And okay. actually, um, my <laughs> That was surrogacy... not on the info that you gave I'm, me. <laughs> no, I'm just throwing things out there. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was um, informed that I would not be able to carry again safely. Um, and then, well, 
as you can see, yeah. that was a lie. Yeah. I had a 3% chance of getting pregnant. And now you're pregnant with... And I'm 21 weeks with uh, my own baby. Unexpectedly, we took family day really aggressively to heart. <laughs> we were like, mm, medical odds. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So pre and postpartum depression mm -hmm. with these, how would you compare them? Well, so with my daughter, I had very aggressive prepartum depression to the point where I didn't actually like interact with the baby. Like I had no mm -hmm. like emotional connection to her until yeah. she was out. And it took about two weeks after she was born for me. They, I wouldn't hold her without sobbing. Yeah. Um, I would just have mental breakdowns. I didn't want to touch her. I didn't want to interact with her. I had no interest. Mm -hmm. um, with Ethan, the surrogate mm -hmm. baby, I went into it expecting to not have a baby at the end. You right. know? Like mentally, I didn't need to be attached to him. So you weren't. So I wasn't. No. Um, so he came out and I immediately took out an auntie. I, I was... I explain to the dads what to do when he cried too much and they didn't know mm -hmm. um that kind of thing but the depression really hit different with ethan and i will touch on reasons later yep. but like that that was a lot different for me because i knew i didn't need to take care of him after so i could take care of myself more right whereas with talia my daughter mm -hmm. i had no ability to just back off and right. not have to parent yeah. and deal with myself. So I felt like that lasted a lot longer. Like I was in that postpartum depression phase for months. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Ethan, it was like two weeks. And we were we were back to my normal, regular scheduled, regularly scheduled programming. Wow. <laughs> Words are hard. Words are hard. <laughs> English. <laughs> no, but that's like really interesting to think about. And I'm sure, of course, there are people out there that go into surrogacy and are really sad at the end of it. There's actually a stipulation in every surrogacy contract yeah. that you have to give the baby to them at yes. the end of it yeah. because they have had surrogates disappear while pregnant and keep <sighs> the baby. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, if they flee the country, they can't do anything because a lawyer contract is not legally binding in multiple countries. Yes. Unless you were to flee to France and your intended parents lived in France, but that seems like a stupid place to go if you're trying to hide. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. So you often hear people talk about normal textbook pregnancies versus high risk, and you've experienced both. So let's dive into your experiences here. Are we starting with textbook? Sure. Okay. Whatever you want. <laughs> um, so Talia was my textbook pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got pregnant with her the way you expect to get pregnant with a baby. Yeah. And she, I had no morning sickness. Mm -hmm. I lost 45 pounds. What? I was in the best shape of my life. I went from 255 pounds and I walked out of that hospital with a newborn at 190. Yeah. Now I say I lost 45 pounds and it was closer to like 60, but I don't include like placenta no. baby herself. She yeah, was only yeah. six and a half pounds, so she wasn't huge. No. I passed my gestational diabetes test yeah. all my blood work was coming back fine it sounds like I you didn't like eating. swell up very much i didn't swell up at all yeah. i had great water retention like i didn't have that thing where my like my hands and feet got bloaty mm -hmm. it's the worst and like i was able to exercise i wasn't like super tired the first trimester you're always kind of tired mm -hmm. so i had naps but like i didn't have any other kids in the house so i could nap on the couch yeah. whenever i wanted I craved healthy stuff. I wanted Greek salad, medium rare steak, which you aren't supposed to eat, but mm -hmm. we just bypassed that. Um, <laughs> dipped in sour cream. 
Oh yeah, I have a, so sorry, I have to go off tangent for a second. I have a Facebook group. If you aren't in the Facebook group, I posted recently, like, what did you, what's one of your cravings or something you like? And you said steak, steak and with sour, sour cream. cream. Yeah, yeah, that never went away. Um, this pregnancy, that's actually the first meal I was able to eat after I puked for way Weeks. too long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but with Talia, I didn't even throw up at all. Huh. Yeah, I had no heartburn, nothing. She was the most ideal pregnancy yeah my doctors were like why are you losing weight i'm like i don't know but i ate 11 times today so like i don't know what i don't know what to tell you this isn't making sense yeah um, <laughs> and so then and then like everything was fine mm-hmm. i had no issues i had no weird like bleeding incidents mm-hmm. which is a problem i had no concern she was moving regularly the only like little bit of an issue i had with her was i took a fall because mm-hmm. i was pregnant over the winter and I didn't feel her move for a little bit. So I went in. We had a non-stress test. She, of course, as soon as they hooked her up, was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I was asleep. <laughs> and uh, it was fine. But yeah, no, she was textbook. It yeah. was, my doctors were amazed because it was my first ever baby. They were yeah. expecting. So and is this also kind of what made you think you were going to be a great yes. surrogate? Yeah. Because <laughs> she was phenomenal. Yeah. So then Ethan. Now, Ethan I had no morning sickness with. Okay. I had no nausea. Not really to, you always get a little bit nauseous, random Mm -hmm. smells and stuff, but nothing beyond normal. And then at 19 weeks, um, I lost a quarter of my blood volume while standing in the kitchen doing dishes onto the floor. I just started gushing blood. And did you notice right away? Yeah, I I immediately felt like I was peeing myself. Right. Um, And then I looked down and I was actually, I actually have a photo on my phone that showed up in my memories recently of my legs and down to my knees was just yeah. red. I was wearing like black and white leggings and it was really obvious. I ruined those leggings and those shoes. I was so mad. They're my favorite shoes. <laughs> and uh, I was just doing dishes. Yeah. I had moved a dresser across a floor mm-hmm. by myself and didn't think anything of it because it was about two hours later mm-hmm. and I started bleeding while doing dishes. Mm-hmm. So I called my partner and I was like, hey, I need you to take me to the hospital. Like I'm bleeding, I don't know what's happening. We showed up, they hooked me up with all the tests, we did some ultrasounds, my placenta had ripped away from my uterine wall. Oh. Um, yeah, and so that was kind of the start of that yeah. pregnancy going from absolutely normal mm-hmm. to extremely high risk. Does it, it doesn't reattach? Hey? So a lot of people say it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people say it doesn't. However, mm-hmm. I carried him till 35 weeks, and if that placenta had actually detached and never reattached, mm-hmm. he would have died. Right. So a lot of people say that you can never reattach a placental abruption, which is what that's called when Mm -hmm. your placenta rips. But my experience says that some part of it was able to reattach to a degree. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had blood flow, oxygen, any of that in utero, and he would have basically just drowned himself. Right. And it would have been a miscarriage at that point. And he would yeah. have been a stillbirth. Yeah. Stillbirth, yeah, I was sorry. far enough yeah. along that he, I would have had to deliver him still. Right. Um, so that was kind of the start of that being high risk. That pregnancy up until then, I had had like, my iron levels were kind of low, that kind of thing. But I craved Dairy Queen onion rings dipped in cotton candy blizzards. Weirdest craving I've ever had. Sounds also, horrendous. That it was what a mm, gag. <laughs> yeah, no, it was not. I don't know why it was not okay. Um, uh, and to this day, I love 
Dairy Queen onion rings. Mm-hmm. Cotton candy blizzards make me want to puke. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm yeah. not I'm not that person. <laughs> so yeah, no, that was like the start of that really becoming an issue. I was on bed rest that pregnancy for a long time. Yeah, so you had a hospital stay with this one mm-hmm. too. And Five and a half weeks. Oh wow, that's a long time. And a what what timeline? Like so, or? yeah, I was, I got admitted. So we had actually originally planned for me to be admitted at 32 weeks. Okay. And to basically um, stay in hospital until I went into labor. Wow. Yeah, that yeah. was that And was so intention. would you be on bed rest for that part mm-hmm. too? Yeah. yeah. So as soon as the bleed happened, I became immediately put on bed rest. I was allowed 30 steps a day. Yeah. Um, until the baby came out. And I had the bleed at 19 weeks. I also had a not quite two-year-old. Yeah. at home that I was chasing around because yeah. to be a surrogate you have to have a live birth they recently changed that to a certain extent apparently right. I am not currently in that world as intensely as I was back then yeah um, but they did recently change the rules for certain fertility clinics and mm-hmm. they'll let you do a surrogacy if you've never carried before mm-hmm. but back then the rule was you had to have had a live birth to a singleton baby mm-hmm. at least that resulted in like a healthy baby, pregnancy, all of that stuff. Yeah. And that is what qualified you. Um, so we thought that I would be fine. And then all of a sudden, he decided that it was not okay. During that, we discovered some other things that we'll get to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So he, he really just took a left turn on that pregnancy and ended up just kind of making it easily one of the hardest like six months of my life yeah because I went from expecting to have this normal pregnancy going on walks with my dog taking my kid to the park yeah and all of a sudden I literally was not allowed to go from the bed to the I wasn't allowed to do dishes I wasn't allowed to cook and like what you were saying like just going out with your kid is like something you I feel like you look forward to yeah as just a parent I also had this tear happened I got pregnant with him on Halloween um, that was when my transfer was. Mm-hmm. I actually flew home from San Diego in time to take my daughter trick-or-treating that, that night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I was wild. And I was like, I'm going for this. Thank yeah. you. It was part of my contract stipulation for that trip. I was like, if I'm not home to take my daughter on her first ever like actual Halloween, I'm going to rage quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was kind of just our thing. Yeah. So and what did you do, like, mental health-wise during all of this? Cried. To... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. Yeah. I had a lot of long showers yeah. with some tears. They actually, the surrogacy agency provides a therapist. Oh, that's um, amazing. And it's, she's a registered psychologist, mm-hmm. actually, um, and she works specifically with surrogates and was a surrogate. So she knows what you're going so through. So she knows exactly how it is, yeah. to a point. Um, and I actually was able to get twice weekly meetings with her for most of that which was a big help but I uh, hit the point where they considered inpatienting me I was extremely suicidal just I was depressed yeah well you can't do anything you have a child at home that you have been looking forward to having and dealing all these things with you can't do it yeah and then I was on bed rest in March when it finally started to warm up so I felt guilty about being stuck at the house yeah not being able to do much my partner was not working in the home at that point Mm mm-hmm And so he was leaving every day. So I was stuck kind of like trying to figure it out. And it was just really difficult to get through. And then Mm -hmm. every appointment I seemed to get another diagnosis that made that more and more high risk. Right. I was, I had five complications Mm -hmm. that were all to the point where they could end his life within 20 minutes. Oh my gosh. 
It was a really rough pregnancy. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. 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 They really didn't. I got, I actually got removed from midwifery care. So I was with a midwife yeah. at the beginning of that pregnancy. I was planning on a home birth. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that's, was that the contracted, like what they wanted? It was what I wanted. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I told them I wasn't hospitalizing myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were going to rent the labor suite at, um, a midwife, Malachite midwives in Kelowna. Amazing. They have a labor suite. I've heard it's beautiful. It's stunning. Yeah. Yeah, We did Mm -hmm. a tour. It was quite nice. (laughs) Um, I got removed from their care. Wow. Um, and sent to a high risk OB and I actually had a full staff. Um, prepared within 30 minutes of on-call call, basically, of a 911 yeah. signal for me yeah. to be prepared to be at the hospital within half an hour hmm. to deliver this baby oh um, because I was so high-risk that I hit the point where, like, I literally had my own doctor. I'm sure it's different in every experience, but do the surrogate parents have a say in what happens with the birth plan? So to an extent, yes. So if they specifically want the baby to be born in a hospital they can request it if they specifically want the baby to receive scalp monitors and stuff like that Mm. during labor they can demand that you do that even if you wouldn't have chosen that for your own baby but there's a fine line because they can only choose what happens with the baby you as a surrogate choose what happens with your own body which means that if you want an epidural and they don't believe in epidurals you get the epidural Hmm. They don't have a say on how that baby is really brought into the world. Right. Besides, like, some of them are a little, like, odd about, like, midwife care just because they don't see it as, like, as safe. Right. You know? I'm sure it's depending where the families are from It really is. So, like, like some of the families, if they're from, like, a more, like, third world country because we have... Like, the surrogacy agency I work through has surrogate couples, like, intended parents from all over the place, like, all over the Mm -hmm. world. So some of them just have different views on medical stuff Mm -hmm. than we do in North America. So that kind of comes into play. Cultural preference also comes into play. Some of them don't believe in giving medication to a laboring mother because it transfers to baby. I'm using quotations for that because there's no true proof that it affects baby as much as people think it does right just in the way of like if the epidural was going to affect the baby the baby would come out not kicking and screaming yeah you know right like there's that kind of thing i was given fentanyl on labor and that my my baby was she was fine so that that's kind of where that's from um i specifically said that i did not want a hospital birth if we could avoid it i really wanted to do a midwife birth i really wanted a water birth mm-hmm. um and they were absolutely fine with that i also lucked out and got some really good intended parents mm-hmm. um sam and fred ethan's dads are absolutely amazing yeah and yeah so they can they can pick and choose where they want it some of them demand that it be in a hospital and realistically most surrogates are gonna have the baby in a hospital mm-hmm. um i especially if they've already done that like leaned that way with their own children right why change yeah why 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 adjust that now yeah um and then there's also always the random time where the surrogate is in labor and doesn't make it to the hospital there's been a few of those i have family members that have had that happen yeah like it just it just happens it happens yeah and it's just an unfortunate side effect of having children sometimes yeah. <laughs> um that sometimes that baby is like we're gonna show up now yeah and uh, i hope you enjoy yeah that car ride <laughs> um yeah, so 
they like they can demand stuff, um, but most of the time they're just so thankful that you're giving them a family. They're like, whatever you would like. Yeah, please do I, it. I think it's really cool that you get to call the shots on your body. Yeah, you're not just a shell um, for this child. Like you are yeah. still like some human. intended parents fake it really well. <laughs> we have had some horror stories that I have been privy to some more detailed information about yeah. of intended parents basically just like taking the baby and leaving. Like I have heard of stories where those intended parents don't even let the surrogate mother see the baby. They take the baby from the OR mm-hmm. and they leave the hospital with the baby. Wow. Against medical advice. Yeah. So course. that the surrogate mother is not involved and they just disappear. And it's unfortunate, but it happens because yeah. some of them don't believe that this, like, I'm still a human. Mm-hmm. I was just an incubator. Yeah. But I still went through the pain and suffering of giving birth to that baby. Yeah. I should at least get to, like, see it. I don't know. Right? Hold and it once. In- yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> I don't know. Anything. Hear it cry would yeah. be nice, you know? Yeah. And some intended parents just don't believe that that is how that works they're just like nope we're done i'm sure some people think as soon as you hold it that you might want to keep it yeah i i don't know i had none of that draw Mm -hmm. it made me want a baby right like holding him yeah i was like oh you're so cute Mm -hmm. like newborns my ovaries were dying you know (laughs) um but i it didn't make me want him Mm -hmm. i no, I, I wanted my own baby and I it didn't I never looked at that man and was like and was like like his dads were just so amazing with him. Yeah. But I was like, Oh, you're gonna be so spoiled. You wouldn't be able to take that away I from know. Him. Yeah. <laughs> and like watching watching the parents become parents mm-hmm. was amazing. Especially after having like experienced it myself mm-hmm. like I knew exactly what they were feeling because I had had my daughter put on my chest as soon as she was born and immediately right. was like she's out she's mm-hmm. here oh my gosh I'm mom yeah right and watching that parent especially when they've been like Sam and Fred had waited almost 15 years oh my gosh for a baby that's a long time I yeah. got pregnant at 20 by accident yeah you know like yeah like watching them literally see 12 plus years mm-hmm. of dedication to a dream come alive. Mm-hmm. I was done. I was like, that's yours. Enjoy. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So, no, it was. Um, the medical the medical aspect was a little concerning, but if you luck out with good intended parents, they don't they don't tend to care what your opinion on it is on delivery mm-hmm. they just want that baby they just want a healthy a healthy happy baby. yeah literally yeah. they don't even care the gender they're oh. they don't they, sam and fred didn't even know who the actual biological father was we did a blind Im- transplant yeah so they had no idea it was any mini money mo like literally <laughs> like they don't even care no. they were like Mm-mm. just baby thank you yeah um yeah. i think that's also cool because like i know you can do selective yeah, we Which actually is, we did find out who Ethan's biological father is. Yeah. Um, just before he was born. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we didn't know for like thirty three or thirty four weeks, mm-hmm. um, what Ethan's biological parent was. Yeah. And we didn't care. No, that's super cool. 
So obviously there's a lot that goes into being a surrogate. How do all the legalities of the matter work? So it starts off pretty much like a dating profile. <laughs> I never um, thought about that, but yeah. You, you have to find your intended parents because if yeah. you don't have a set of intended parents pick, you can't build a contract. Right. I basically got emailed profiles mm-hmm. from the agency that I was with Yeah. being like, hey, what about these ones? Yeah. What about these ones? And I actually specified that I wanted a gay couple, specifically men. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I felt like at the time, my my brain has shifted a little bit. Like my thought process on this has shifted because of I was raised in a very homophobic household. Yep. Um, so my thought process has, has shifted to the point where I've kind of realized that my mindset around it was different was a little skewed Mm -hmm. but at the time i thought that because two lesbians both had uteruses right that they could have a baby without me Mm -hmm. because they already had the bits so it really didn't matter yeah i can see where your your thoughts have shifted because we're in a time now where so many women talk about just not being able to get pregnant or they've tried yeah and in my in my brain at the time i was like if you have a straight couple Mm -hmm. and you have two women they have the parts. They don't need me. Yeah. Two men, I'm their only hope. Yeah. So I specifically asked for men. Yeah. Which, looking back on it now, was a little biased of me. But it's, <laughs> I was, we were a little homophobic. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> You've changed a lot. But I've, I've changed. Yeah. Um, and you're quite young. I am. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I actually matched with somebody that is not Simon Fred when I first looked at profiles. I yeah. matched with a single dad mm-hmm. um, that had already had a baby. Hmm. Um, and he broke the match three weeks after we matched. Wow. We were on contracts, mm-hmm. and he went, we're done, and ended the match. Wow. Um, and, and it's then, just that easy to end it? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Like well, I guess you, you weren't pregnant or anything. I w- no, I was like, we had just started emailing each other versus okay. talking through somebody. Right. You know? Okay. So then Sam and Fred popped up, and I fell in love with them. I'm also bilingual, so I speak French, mm-hmm. which means that it was really easy for me to communicate with them because I was able to just talk to them in French yeah yeah I mean it's so simple and they probably love that <laughs> they do I also um I still when we video chat and stuff I still talk to them in oh, French cute. Ethan's just starting to talk he'll yes. be three at the end of this month yeah and he has he wished me happy birthday in French but like toddler French is the cutest freaking thing yeah so I matched with them we started talking and we got along great and I absolutely fell in love with these men they're the sweetest and so once we had both kind of mutually decided that we wanted to continue with this match, mm-hmm. we got in touch with a lawyer. We started on contracts. Basically, it was a lawyer emailing them the contract, them sending in their fixes mm-hmm. or their stipulations that they wanted to add or whatever. The lawyer adding it to the contract, sending it to me. Mm-hmm. Me backfiring. Yeah. Sending them back what I wanted. <laughs> it almost sounds like a house offer, like counter. It was counter literally, kind of it was literally like buying a car. Kind yeah. of. You were like, no, no, I want a new set of tires on this fucker when I bring it home. Yeah. <laughs> like, please. Like, I need, mm-hmm, yeah. thank you. Like, I'm, I'm expecting it to be green, not mm-hmm. black. Thanks. And yeah, it was literally like this back and forth. It was only like two or three days. I really didn't have any stipulations that I put in there. Looking back on it, I should have put in more. Yeah. I ended up losing a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I had lost. There was stuff in there that I did not think about. No. It but, happens. Yeah. But I didn't think about it because I hadn't gone through it yet. No. So at the same time, like, realistically, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't their fault. Mm-hmm. I was just new and didn't know what I needed. It's hard to point blame. 
yeah. in that type and, of situation. And it realistically was, it fell on nobody because yeah. the universe decided to make the pregnancy more difficult than it should have been. Yeah. So contracts, it took us a few days mm-hmm. back and forthing. Um, realistically, most of the thing was like how much childcare I could get how much reimbursement I could get for groceries, that kind of stuff. A little bit of it was, like, actual, like, if this happens, this is what they can do. If this happens, like, if I, I wasn't working, so we took out the parts were of employment because I, right. I'm on disability, so I didn't need them to reimburse me if I wasn't able to work. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a job. Yeah. So we changed it. We made it if I needed home care. Yes. Due to the pregnancy, my mm-hmm. partner could be reimbursed for certain amounts of wages because Good. they were lost wages. Yeah. That kind of thing. And was that suggested to so you? Actually, <laughs> um, yes, it was. Okay. Cool. However, I built the contract with Sam and Fred while with my ex, and we broke up in the middle of this pregnancy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which means that the contract became null and void um, oh for everything, gosh. and then my pregnancy became difficult. Damn. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was. <laughs> so it probably should have just been you. I really should have just yeah. avoided that, yeah. which is a part of the thing where I was like, stipulations that I made that really I should have thought about harder. Yeah. Um, because I made the contract knowing I didn't want to stay in that relationship, Yeah, but I was hoping. Mm-hmm. Always hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, so that contracts were just back and forthy a lot. There was so much legal jargon I didn't understand. There was video chats. There was emails. The email chains were like hundreds of emails. Yeah throughout the day i'm just back and forth and back and forth um and with the time difference too oh my gosh the time difference was exhausting yeah oh yeah no (laughs) and then we finished the contracts Mm -hmm. they were signed we did great i had to go into a lawyer's office and actually sign them in person they needed to like check my id and whatever yeah make sure that they had a witness all that jazz Mm -hmm. and then as soon as the contracts were done i got my appointment for a psychological assessment Mm mm-hmm Basically, they wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to take off with the baby, as we discussed earlier. Yeah. Some people apparently lie very well, but Mm -hmm. they do this whole assessment. It took, like, two hours. It was basically just me getting, like, you know when your parents are, are, like, mad at you and you're stuck in the chair and you're just sitting there and you're just getting talked to? Entire psychological assessment felt like that. Right. It just felt like somebody was yelling at me for things that I had no control over, and I was like, yes, no. They're trying to get you to break. Yeah, they're literally over there trying to see where my threshold is. Yeah. And I understood that going in. But man, that does not prepare you for sitting in your living room crying because this woman is just berating you. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, that was a perfectly healthy reaction. You're like, oh, good. I feel like it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Because you know it's a psych evaluation. And you're mm -hmm. like, do I... Do I cry? Do I not cry? Do I I'm get like, upset? Do I, do I not get like, upset? Yeah. Also, I am un, I, I was not diagnosed autistic at the time. Right. So I also was masking mm-hmm. and found it really hard to mask while also trying to be genuine, while also trying to not, like, yep. I felt like I'd be judged, you know? Whereas realistically, autism does not disqualify you from a surrogacy. That, the baby wasn't even my DNA. No, exactly. It didn't matter. And I I mean, we all know now more than ever that, like, autism doesn't mean mentally handicapped. Yeah, Yeah. right? And also, like, certain, like, yes, my daughter got my ADHD and autism from me. But, like, 
that doesn't necessarily mean anything mm-hmm. because realistically anybody can be born autistic. Yeah. It's it's not it's not genetic in the way that they think it is. No. So for a surrogacy it makes no difference. It's it's just a little grain of rice in the corner of information. Yeah. They a don't care. Sprinkle of glitter. Yeah, they're yeah. like, okay, cool. <laughs> makes me fancy, you know. Um, <laughs> and then um, the psyche bell happened. We had to wait around for them to be like, yeah, she's not crazy. Um, and then they did that. And, mm-hmm. and I got the approval. And then immediately was booked for medical screening. And so medical screening, I flew to San Diego. I had a lot of doctors looking at my lady bits, which was a little uncomfortable. That's um, crazy that they do all that before as well. Because, mm-hmm. of course, with like a typical pregnancy. I did a pap smear. I did yeah. internal and external ultrasounds. I yeah. did blood work. All these things. I actually had emergency surgery while in San Diego. Oh. Yeah, because um, I had uterine polyps growing. Oh. And so they actually put me under and went in and removed them while I was in San Diego. And I had to stay an extra day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Huh. And they still let you be. Yeah, so, so the uterine yeah. polyps came back as basically there it's just an excess growth of the uterine lining right um now they do have a chance to be cancerous but none of mine came back at that time right as cancerous Mm -hmm. um and we've learned that actually my body just builds them every time i have a baby oh so every pregnancy it triggers the growth of them okay um so i had like 18 removed that time gosh um which seems like a lot but apparently Mm -hmm. is not i don't know Hmm. that's not my not my monkey not my circus yeah um and then I came home. Mm-hmm. And then um, I came home with the medication yeah. from medical. Yeah. And then we started that. And so is it like like you're going to do IVF kind of stuff? Like um, it's in the butt. Oh, okay. And, and I say that literally I have to inject myself into my butt cheek. Yeah. Um, and the suppositories for progesterone, if you choose to do it that way, are supposed to be done vaginally. Mm-hmm. But there's a surrogacy trick that in your butt is easier because um, it doesn't leak out as aggressively, so you don't have to wear pads everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, meds are similar to IVF. We okay. take estrogen and progesterone. Mm-hmm. Um, also, baby Advils or baby aspirins. Um, they're yeah. a blood thinner, so they help the lining of your uterus. And there's also like an antibiotic course and something else, I forgot what, mm-hmm. that you take at the same time okay. um, as the rest of the meds mm-hmm. to like clear out any risk of infection from the uterus. Basically, we're trying to build the healthiest little environment for this yeah. little embryo. Yeah. So contracts were weirdly fast considering I'm making a human for them. Yes. And then all of a sudden, it was just like boom, 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 yeah. baby. Yeah. It just seems like it goes so fast. It does. Yeah. Like the whole process was like a month. Oh my gosh. From like my my medical, yeah. like like my match mm-hmm. to my first transfer was like two and a half months. Yeah, that seems wow, really really fast. Yeah. So how was the actual embryo transfer? Um, weird. They use they use like a saline solution. Okay. Which I wasn't expecting the first time. <laughs> okay. I got yeah. used to it, but yeah. basically they put you on stirrups and you pretend you're having a pap smear. Okay. Yeah. And stirrups, scoot your butt all the way to the edge of the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put in a speculum. They do their thing. Mm-hmm. And then they take this, like, tube attached to the end of a syringe. Okay. And they feed it into your cervix. Yeah. And they have an ultrasound on your belly. Yeah. And you're looking at it on the screen, and you get to watch the whole thing. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it was cool. <laughs> um, and so then they actually, they, like, 
and then you see like a whoosh because yeah. they flush fluid mm-hmm. through the tube and the embryo is actually in the tube. Right. And that's how they deposit the embryo in. Yeah. Then they take the tube out mm-hmm. and the liquid like drains out of your cervix. Right. So you're just like sitting there peeing yourself basically. It's really oh, uncomfortable. It felt awful. It was horrible. Especially yeah. with this poor man sitting between my legs just <laughs> staring at my unshaven bush leaking fluid all over his poor exam table. I'm just like this. I'm happy you do this for a living, but I'm uncomfortable for you. Yeah. There's like 17 nurses. I it was yeah. exhausting. And you had to do this a couple times, didn't you? Oh, so many times. Yeah. yeah. I've had way more people look at my badge than I would like to admit. Yeah. But I actually have a photo of this doctor looking terrified while he's between my legs. <laughs> and I made it into a meme and it just said, why does it have teeth? And that was that was a thing for a while. I posted yep. it to my surrogacy group. Everybody laughed. But yeah. And so then I wasn't expecting the fluid thing, but it's cool that you get to watch it. And then they just sit there mm-hmm. for a minute, let all the water drain out, basically. Mm-hmm. And then they double-check positioning, so they go back with the ultrasound, Mm -hmm. and they double-check that the embryo was actually in there. And then you're on bed rest for eight hours. Right. So you just chill. So you just chill. So I went to Target, obviously, and got one of those electric scooters and zoomed around Target because I was in the States. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm living my best life. Technically, I was not walking, so I did not think I was breaking bed rest. Nope. Um, and I collected enough snacks that I made it through the rest of the six hours of bed rest without much (laughs) issue. (laughs) I mean, yeah, if you're only supposed to take a certain, I don't know, 50 steps, like 25. Yeah, to Target, I was like, get the I was cart, like it's fine. Yeah. We, we had, they um, paid for all of our taxis and stuff, so we just Ubered straight to the front door. Perfect. I hopped out. Yeah. Went on in. Yeah. Zoom zoomed. Shopped a little. And how many times did it take you to actually get pregnant? So actually, I got pregnant with every one of them. But uh, the first one was a miscarriage yeah. at nine and a half weeks. Okay. The second one was a chemical pregnancy. So I got mm. pregnant. I had a high HCG level, like a three-week yeah. HCG level. Yeah. So when you leave the thing, if you actually take, you're already like two and a half weeks pregnant. Oh, that's so weird. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. odd? Because like there's no con- like conception date. Like technically that baby was made five years ago. Yeah. But, but like they put it in and that baby's already like a three-week embryo. Super weird. I always think Soup. it's so interesting. Right. There's one little this. weird thing about... So in the room, there's a screen on the wall. Yeah. Okay, and you're laying on the bed and you look at the screen and the mm-hmm. screen shows the Petri dish in the lab and you can watch live mm-hmm. them literally like suck the little embryo up oh. in your little tube. Yeah. And then they carry it into yeah. the room on like a golden platter and are like, here's the baby. <laughs> And then they do the whole flushy thing. I forgot yeah. about that for a solid second. But yeah, no, I remember. And they also, like, show you the Petri dish so it has their yeah. legal names on it. Yeah. So, so you can, like, confirm that it's the right baby. Yeah, fair. And I'm like, important, but a little much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Ethan was the third one. And he was... He actually... My daughter went with me to his transfer. So oh, she's cool. been to San Diego with me. Yeah. At this point, I took... I got to take a support person. So I took my best friend. I took a, my neighbor. I took my... My I grandma flew down day. and yeah. hung out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, guys, I have a vacation for you. Mm-hmm. The only downside is you have to see me naked for like five minutes. So sorry. It is what it is yeah. at that point. They, they kind of know what they're getting into. Right? Yeah. At that point, you're like, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. So... The next few weeks after the transfer, there's a lot of appointments. Can you kind of go over, like, how surrogate appointments work? (laughs) Yeah, okay, so once you start... 
there's appointments before and after. Mm-hmm. So when you start meds, you go once a week to mm-hmm. once every three days yeah. for a lining check, which is an internal ultrasound. Okay. And they're measuring the thickness of the lining because you need to have a 10 millimeter or more lining in order to do a successful embryo transfer. Talking about all of this makes me think of like just people, you know, having sex and having kids. I know. And you're like, hold on here. Literally. So you have to do all of this prep to be mm-hmm. a surrogate and have somebody else's child. Yeah, hence why but I said... But you can <laughs> just have a child at home without any yeah. anything. You go for lining checks. Once your lining is a certain thickness, they immediately send you, mm-hmm. like within 24 hours, wow. to your transfer. So I went to my transfer. At the transfer, we did all the things, got the baby in there. I flew home. Mm-hmm. We started like 10 days post-transfer doing pregnancy tests at home. Mm-hmm. I got my first positive. I immediately went for blood work. Mm-hmm. I had three rounds of HCG blood draws every two days to make sure it was increasing because we wanted to make sure the pregnancy was progressing. Yeah. Then I went, once we had those three days, like or I guess six days total mm-hmm. of blood draws, um, I started going for ultrasounds at the fertility clinic right. in Kelowna. And that fertility clinic was doing every five days checking on the baby. So I was having ultrasounds, making sure it was growing. Mm -hmm. And then once I hit, like, I think it was nine weeks pregnant, I graduated from the fertility clinic and they gave me to my midwife or my OB. That was also a process because they have a different process for if you're a surrogacy and an IVF baby than you do if you're a naturally conceived pregnancy at a doctor. Hmm. which I didn't know about until I hit that point because yeah. I'd had miscarriages while the other ones, I was never that far along. Mm-hmm. So I get to the doctor and they're like, oh, so when was your date of implant? And I was like, Halloween. <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, okay. And then because you're a certain amount of weeks further than you really think you are, right? everything feels so fast because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you aren't in that wait, wait window between when you find out you're pregnant and when you go for your first ultrasound, you're already like basically at the point where they're like, we need to do this, we need to do blood work, we need to start this. Yeah. Like you need to be taking this, this, and this. You I was almost, already- You will skip a month. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. And I was already on folic acid. I was taking like DHA supplements. I was taking prenatals. Mm-hmm. I was taking so much stuff on top of everything else that already that they were like, well, you'll be fine. But yeah, I think I had like seven to 10 ultrasounds at the beginning of the pregnancy, like before I was even six weeks pregnant. That's crazy. And that's just insane to me. I have yeah. photos from the time that thing is like literally a little ball of cells. Yeah. And like watching its growth. Mm-hmm. And it's so odd to me that you see it so much yeah. especially considering they're like you don't do more ultrasounds because it's risky for the baby and i'm like i don't think so i think <laughs> i think you are just lazy and you don't want to have to scan my baby every three I months i think it's because... just probably too much too yeah much work yeah <laughs> right but yeah no. our health system can't keep up with that no, no. <laughs> so many appointments i also had like you have the midwife intake you have like birth plan discussions yeah all of this. Then the intended parents, they want to obviously be included. So mm-hmm. you have to update them and you have to video chat them. All of this. I had to plan out a pregnancy announcement for the positive test for a baby that wasn't even mine. And do you know how complicated that is considering that they sounds, don't even live in the same country? That sounds ridiculous. I was like, <laughs> no, guys. So we know already that you were on bed rest as of 19 weeks with this pregnancy. 
And then after that, there was kind of a bit of a lull because you were just on bed rest eating snacks all day. Yeah, <laughs> watching lots of TV. Yeah, yeah catching yeah. up on things. And so at what point do you plan with the parents or the agency plans with the parents to like come to Canada for the birth and all of that? Um, so actually they had plane tickets booked okay. based on my due date. Right. And because it was COVID, they actually had to book for a little bit early because they had to be in quarantine. It was two um, weeks, wasn't it? For it they were they got a medical exemption oh. um, from the actual like BC legislature, like the Canadian legislature in France, oh um, because they both tested negative for COVID and had the COVID shot right. and quarantined in France for a week before they flew. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, so basically they quarantined themselves in France for yeah. a week before they got on the plane. Yeah, flew over retook their covid test yeah whatever here yeah went into an airbnb and quarantined for a week okay and then that makes we're sense. allowed to be out because they the chance of me going to labor earlier was high yeah and it didn't end up mattering we got told that i was being hospitalized mm-hmm. and then complications more of them happened so ethan the placental abruption was the most like life-threatening one at the time. I also had what was called a um, vasa previa, which basically means that the blood vessels for the umbilical cord were laying across my cervix. Instead of being like up and suspended in the belly, they were laying across the cervix. So if he went head down and started to dilate me, he could rip his own blood vessels and kill himself. On top of that, I had a velamentous cord, which meant that the actual like protective so you know when you look at an umbilical cord Mm -hmm. they're kind of gross they look like an earthworm that's because there's like a protective coating that grows around the outside of two blood vessels that are spiraled around each other in the middle of the cord yeah that's kind of how that works he never developed the protective layer over the umbilical cord Mm. so he had a like a six inch chunk of umbilical cord that was completely open and exposed like, literally, he was sleeping and kicking and moving on top of an artery. Oh. Just in my, like, in my uterus. Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah. So that was also an issue. He was also footling breech, which means that the chunk of cord that was exposed was laying across my cervix, and he was also foot down. So every time he moved, he risked kicking it and rupturing it. Did you have any, like, bleeding from any of that? Yeah, I okay. bled constantly from yeah. 19 weeks until I delivered. Yeah. I basically bled every day. It was like it was like a never-ending period. Yeah. They say that when you get pregnant, you, like, get a break. No, you don't. Bullshit. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling it. No. <laughs> I went through so many more, period like, pads than I ever have during a period in those, like, four months. And on top of that, he was measuring a little small, which isn't really a complication, but mm-hmm. because he was, at that point, kind of pushing towards preemie okay it was a little worrisome because Mm -hmm. body fat is important for them once they're out to stay warm yeah there's kind of like this this like never-ending cycle Mm -hmm. of like do they have enough body fat on them to stay warm do we put them in the warmer like and since we had no idea when he was going to show up that was an issue um and then my body decided to really hit it home when my cervix decided to start dilating when i was I was checked for a bleed that I had. So every time I bled, I went to the hospital. Um, Like, more than basically a cup of blood. I was required to go and have them do a non-stress test on him. Right. Um, And 
I would go to the hospital. They'd hook me up to the monitors. We'd do a cervical check. We were checking for amniotic fluid the entire time, too, because we had no idea what was happening. And I went in one day, and I was two centimeters dilated. And I was having no contractions. I was having no signs of labor at all. Um, but my body, my cervix had basically become incompetent. So there's a weird thing that happens where if your cervix gets irritated, it starts to dilate. Right. So if it gets irritated too much, it just starts to open because it's mm. trying to like flush itself, right. basically. Because I've been bleeding for so long, my cervix was irritated. So I started just dilating, which is a little bit of a problem when you're trying to keep stuff in. Yeah. Like the umbilical cord that was laying across my cervix that had a risk of rupturing because yeah. the umbilical cord had fallen through the hole. I was just thinking that. It <laughs> could have pinched itself off and cut off his blood supply. And he, like a lack of blood supply in uterus it seems like well you're kind of the incubator like you'll kill, keep him alive right mm-hmm. like you're the parent like as long as your heart's beating he no if he can't get blood supply to himself he yeah. cuts off all of his oxygen he'll die within 20 minutes so that was kind of the moment that they decided that i was going to be hospitalized right this happened right around like 29 weeks okay so the, about 10 weeks from the time my first bleed happened to the point this happened and then i was hospitalized we called the dads. They were like, hey, I've been put in the hospital. This baby will show up at any point. Yeah. And they were like, gotcha. And they changed their flights. And they actually left France within three days. Landed in Kelowna. Changed everything around. I don't even want to know how much it cost them to try and make it so that they didn't have to worry about it. So they got here. Like, they waited because they were like, okay, like, if you, like, the doctor needs to tell us, like, Yes, this baby. Because they had to wait for a flight allowance. Yes. Because it was COVID, so they weren't actually just allowed to book, like, a flight. Mm-hmm. So they had to wait for a flight allowance, and that's why it took them a little bit to get over. Yeah. And then they had to quarantine. So they had originally, like, started to quarantine at home, mm-hmm. but they flew over before their quarantine in France was done because of the change of scheduling. Right. So they ended up quarantining for like 12 days here, I think. They um, were actually released from quarantine two days before my emergency C-section. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Did you get to meet them before? Uh, they were they were snuck in by a social worker oh, wow. to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I was a lot of visitors. Yes. Which is also so isolating. Yeah, I was stuck in hospital for so long. Yeah. Um. So I was I was hospitalized. We knew my hospitalization date. They didn't immediately inpatient me. Mm-hmm. They released. They they let me go home, and I had to be back. So I was put in the hospital at thirty weeks and like four or five days. Okay. And I was on bed rest in the hospital until his delivery. And I actually had a nurse not believe me that morning, before my emergency C section, and mm-hmm. she almost killed him. By not listening to me, which was stressful amongst itself. I woke up and I was like, something's off. Yeah. I went to the bathroom. I was leaking mm-hmm. a little bit. And unfortunately, because I was still actively bleeding the entire time, I couldn't determine if it was liquidier than normal or not. Right. Um, and it turns out that my water broke. Um, so oh. <laughs> I had like a leak happening. And yeah. we finally were able to test and there was amniotic fluid in my blood. Yeah. In the pad. And I was... The pad went from, like, just having, like, blood on it yeah. to being, like, a heavy pad. It felt like a diaper. Yeah, like, yeah. it was hefty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not normal. 
So I called for the nurse and she was like, you're fine. Like you've been here for so long at this point. Like, what did you do? Roll over in your sleep and break your water? Yes. Yes, I did. So they checked me and I was four centimeters dilated. And they were like, okay, he's coming out now. Yeah. Um, and then I actually got bumped twice by more emergent things that needed the OR. At this point, you know, you're having a baby. Yeah. Pretty immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the pre-op like? Because you know you're having a C-section as well. Um, so the first thing I did was call the intended parents. And Good. be like, hey, um, we're having the baby. Like, now you need to get here immediately. I forget what day of the week he was born, but my partner was actually there. Mm-hmm. Like, he was... He was able to just, like, show up mm-hmm. at the hospital. So I'm assuming it was a weekend, because I'm assuming my daughter probably was not with him. Yeah. Or he wouldn't have been able to do that, because she wasn't allowed in the hospital to see me. So we called the intended parents after my partner showed up. He mm-hmm. was like, okay, like, this is happening. And the doctors were like, this is happening. So we called them, and he was like, you guys need to get to the hospital immediately. So they showed up. And we had to figure out who was going in the OR with me. And that was, like, the first step. Mm-hmm. Because I was only allowed one person. Right. And I made the decision to actually not have a support person for myself and to have one of the intended dads come into the OR with me oh. um, to let That's them cute. be there. Yeah. Um, and so we made the decision very quickly that it was not going to be Fred. Mm-hmm. He would have fainted. <laughs> we were like, Mm-mm, no, yeah. this man cannot be in the room. He can't even look at, like, my chest area without blushing. He's not going in. Yeah. So... Sam got given scrubs. This man is like 6'4". And so they barely fit him. Yeah. And he had to like double tie around his waist to make them work. And then we waited. Um, I already had an IV in. I have horrible PTSD for IVs because of this stay. Yeah. I had like 15 IV attempts during that hospital stay and only ever had three successful IVs. Mm. I have bad veins. Yeah. My partner and Fred um, sit in like a waiting room, mm-hmm. I get wheeled down to pre-op. Mm-hmm. Basically what happens is they give me like a rundown of what's going to happen. They're like, hey, just so you know, we're gonna like put you on a different table. Like we're gonna roll you in there on the bed, move you to the OR table. Mm-hmm. We're gonna roll you in a field position. And then we're going to do a spinal on you. Once that's done, this is gonna happen. We're gonna roll you back. You'll probably feel some pressure. Yeah. Baby will be out. I was like. Okay. Honestly, the way they said it, I was expecting to be like an hour. Yeah. You know, like I was expecting some time. I was expecting some like sit around and wait a little bit. So they actually push antibiotics before you go in just to make sure there's no risk of infection for the C-section. And I had an allergic reaction to the antibiotics. Oh my God. (laughs) On the the waiting table, Mm -hmm. um, I got the antibiotics within five minutes. My entire like side of my body was bright red. I was overheating. I was itchy. I was struggling. So they immediately start pushing epi. And they're like, please don't die. And I'm like, I'm fine. This is no worse than my apple allergy, which is... Another super random thing. Another random thing that yeah. they messed up a lot in hospital. I got applesauce and apple juice in my tray like every day. And I'm like, guys, you're trying to kill me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so they kind of were like, well, okay, the antibiotics are still in your system. So at this point, like, I understand you're having an allergic reaction to them. I'm really sorry. I don't know why. That's weird. Um, I do have an allergy to penicillin, and they did not give me penicillin, and it was not amoxicillin. What a great time to find out you're allergic to something right? else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so that didn't work well. I'm like, I noticed. And uh, they wheeled me into the OR. I transferred to a table, and I had this nurse. Her name was Rachel. 
And I loved this nurse. She was the best. She's actually the... She advocated for me in order to get me hooked up to the non-stress test where we found out that Ethan was having heart D cells, mm. um, which basically just means his heart rate was dropping catastrophically. Okay. Which is the moment that they decided that I needed this baby out of my body. And so she's sitting next to me on one side, and they strap you like Jesus on the cross to the table. Yeah. Which I wasn't expecting, but yeah. I'm just laying there like full spread eagle, waiting with my butt hanging out because, of course, I'm in a hospital gown. Yeah. And I look, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy to see your face. She's like, I'm here for you. I got you. And then they roll me into the fetal position. And I don't really know why they felt the need to help me with this. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't numb yet or anything. No. There was, I was fully fine. I wonder if it's just like a positioning thing. Yeah, but yeah. they just like, they like grab my leg and are manhandling me over so I'm not in. And I'm like, okay, cool. When you could have just been like, I'm in. Yeah, I'm like, I could have <laughs> literally just like tucked my knees to my chest and moved. But yeah. sure, manhandle me. And I roll over, and I'm in the position, and the anesthesia dude comes in, and he's like, hey, I have a student with me. Would you mind if he comes in and observes? I was like, absolutely. No big deal. I've been here for five weeks. Mm -hmm. What's one more person looking at my naked butt? Yeah. So I'm laying there mooning the entire OR, just full on, and this young little, little anesthesia student walks in with with the dude yeah and he's like come on she said yes and he's like oh thank you so much for this opportunity and i'm like you're welcome i guess at this point i feel like you just don't care at this point like no at that point i'm like so many people have looked at me in so many different compromising positions at this point i'm it's fine so i roll over and we're we're i guess i'm already rolled over i don't really roll over more but i like readjust a little bit Mm because i have a bad shoulder and they have me on the right side Right. And I could feel everything. So I had to, like, kind of wiggle to, like, make sure that I wasn't going to just, like, my shoulder likes to pop out. I and just, the last yeah. thing I wanted was for my shoulder to pop out mid-ennis, like, you know? Yeah. I was panicking. Yeah. Anxiety. So they get me on my side. And they go, okay, you're going to feel a slight pinch. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And realized that I felt like a cat scratch. Mm-hmm. That was the local. Um, and they just did, like, four injections mm-hmm. around the area. That was fine. And then it felt kind of like when you're laying on like a like you're sitting on the spot and it's like digging in right and like it wasn't painful but I could feel something just uncomfortable yeah yeah and then all of a sudden I hear the anesthesiologist go and so that's her spinal cord that we're looking at and I'm like that's my motherfucking what yeah excuse me yeah and Rachel was like just look at me just look at me and starts petting my face and I'm like Mm. okay I'm not a puppy I don't need (laughs) I don't need this much attention I'm sure some people need something yeah but I was I just wanted more explanation I was like what do you mean yeah like excuse me so then they do the spinal tap and so I never had an epidural or anything with my daughter we'll touch on that in a minute yeah um but the spinal tab goes in further i guess it's not in the epidural space it's actually like a direct like spinal numbing medicine that actually it's a one-time injection whereas the epidural like stays in um as kind of like an iv does where Mm -hmm. you have like the the catheter in your arm that's what an epidural is a spinal they just put it in they numb you they pull it out there's nothing left in your back or anything like that Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. so they put it in and they roll me back onto my back and they're like, okay, we're going to wait a minute. It takes like a little bit to kind of kick in. Mm-hmm. But like once it starts, you'll feel it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, sure. 
And I was expecting it to kind of like start at my toes. I don't know why. I think he... That, that, in my head, that makes sense too. Right? Like yeah. it starts at the toe and it works its way up your body. Yeah. It starts in the middle and spreads down. Oh. Which was not cool. No. And then all of a sudden, it was in my toe and yeah. not in the middle of my leg. And it starts like connecting. Oh. Like is that... It was... I wasn't expecting it. In my head, that just goes, that's disturbing. Yeah, like, it was ew. not okay. Yeah. Um, so then I realized that, like, I'm really numb, like, on my right side, like, further up. Yeah. And this side isn't quite as high. And I'm like, hey, like, I'm feeling more on the left than I am on the right. And they're like, oh, we know how to fix that. Mm-hmm. And they unlock the table and wiggle me like a glow stick. <laughs> that was the last thing I was expecting you to say. <laughs> but okay, yeah. Like, they literally just start tilting me yeah. on this table swishing the meds around my body until yeah. it spreads evenly. Reason number 500 and not have children. Yeah. I don't know. Add it to like, the list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, please. So they just start wiggling me oh my God. like a glow stick. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are yeah. you doing? So then I get informed very nicely. So I have like, I have an anesthesia tech on my right side. Mm-hmm. I have a nurse on my right side. I have another nurse down, like, by my abdomen. Mm-hmm. Another nurse across the table from her. The doctor finally walks in, arms up, like, in a medical drama, where they're like, how are you feeling? Everything yeah. going good? You know, waiting for gloves. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, stuff's about to start. Cool. There's a couple nurses over in the corner, because he's preemie, so they have a NICU team on standby. Mm-hmm. Um, my team is on standby, because I've been bleeding for so long. They are waiting. They're, like, holding sacks of blood. Hoping that I don't need them, I guess. Yeah. There's a rapid transfusion in the corner just in case I need it. So. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, right? they are like prepared for complications. And I'm yeah. like, that makes sense. I've seen this this track record of this pregnancy. I'm understanding why there's so many people here. Yeah. It was a little daunting. Mm-hmm. I cracked some joke, but I'm sorry that I'm showing everybody my butt. And the nurse was like, I've seen worse butts. And I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> um, and then they kind of get started. And... The anesthesiologist that's standing monitoring me, basically he's monitoring my heart rate and my breathing in case mm-hmm. they need to like mask me or whatever. And I have like a cannula in my nose yeah. for oxygen. And I'm just breathing. I'm just existing. I'm living my best life. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my bad shoulder starts to feel like somebody is shoving a freaking steak knife through it. Oh. Literally feels like they're grabbing it and like ripping my shoulder apart. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey what is why am i feeling this why yeah. and they were like oh they've started opening you up for the c-section mm-hmm. and because your body can't feel what they're doing but is going through trauma your body's immediate response is to send pain to somewhere that you already have pain and you can feel as a processing response yeah so basically my body was overcompensating yeah and i was like oh great can we stop that and he yeah. was like yeah so we pushed a little bit of morphine and i was like oh thank you thank god yeah, yeah. and i'm laying there I'm just existing. Yeah. And he was like, if you feel like you're nauseous at any point, let me know. I can fix that too. And I was like, oh, you're a god. I did not feel nauseous at any point, but it's there's a lot of things happening abdominally. It's just so wild to me like that they can pinpoint what's happening during this and give you something to quote unquote yeah. fix it, even though it's not really being right? fixed. But They're like, yeah. we can like... IV grab all of you like that. Yeah. It'll happen in five minutes. You'll be okay. Yeah. Um, they have like a, uh, like a bag ready. Of just gravel. Just, yeah. no, for or, puke. Oh, just that, in case. yes. Because yeah. apparently a lot of women puke in I've C-sections. i heard that, yes. Um, I did not. I yeah. also didn't poop myself at all. 
So incredible. Yeah, it was <laughs> my claim to fame. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, they are through um, this and that, and um, we're going to invite the dad in. And I was like, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I look over and Sam walks in like terrified. This yeah. man has like bug eyes. He is scared. And I'm like, you're okay. Come on. Yeah. And uh, so he comes and he sits next to me and he's just like, what are they doing? And I was like, I don't know. What are they doing? And so they have the sheet up. You can't see what's happening. I can't happen. see what's happening. Yeah. I, I really tried to convince them to give me a mirror and they were like, we don't do that anymore. And I'm like, yeah. but could you? So I look at the nurse I'm like, Rachel, what are they doing? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> and she starts giving me a play-by-play. Yeah. And she's like, okay, so they're through the fat layer. I'm like, oh, hey, they're through the fat layer. And I'm just, I'm like, I, it's like this. telephone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just keeping him updated while mm-hmm. she's updating me. He's like, I can hear her. I'm like, oh, right. Okay. And so then she's like, okay, they're, they're actually in the uterus now. Mm-hmm. Like they've opened everything. Also, um, I know the movement the doctor did when they got to my abdominal muscles. Mm. Um, and they don't tell you that they shred them by hand. Oh. So they use a scalpel and they cut through the yeah. layers. But your abdominal muscles heal better when they're ripped. Okay. So they Makes take sense. their fingers yeah. and they wedge it between your abdominal muscles and they literally just shred. I watched the doc Because I could see like from here up on the doctor you know like I couldn't see details but I could see enough that I could see yeah the movement and I'm like what the fork and Rachel is like yeah I should have warned you I'm like I like no I probably would have panicked but yeah that's weird and then they they get there and she's like okay you're about to feel a weird amount of pressure at the top of your stomach Hmm. and I'm like why the top and she was like oh you'll see and I could see like heads basically and that mm-hmm. was that was all i got yeah so the nurse that's on my right side moves over and goes are you ready and i'm like for what and yeah. she's like well we we're about to deliver the baby and i was like oh yeah expecting like a like a you're gonna feel a little bit of pressure because we gotta like pull them out or something right mm-hmm. no she puts two hands on the top of my stomach and starts cpr pushing on my stomach to push the baby out the hole yeah and i'm like excuse excuse me yeah what was that so they do that and then all of a sudden there's crying and i'm like oh okay that was easy yeah sam had been in the room for like four minutes i don't i had been in the or a total of maybe 20 yeah it was so fast yeah there was a baby okay they take him to the incubator they do all their stuff sam goes over there he starts crying yeah he sees the baby he immediately balls gay man i don't he's been waiting for it for 15 years yeah he's over there having an emotional breakdown and i'm yeah. over here like he's so cute Look yeah at him. um and i don't my skin back together yeah i'm like could you like do the thing but yeah. look at him crying it's yeah. emotional and then rachel next to me i'm like do you see him he's crying and i'm still strapped to the table right and i'm like he's crying and she's like so are you and i'm like no i'm not and then i try to go and wipe my face you and can't. just like i can't and i'm like help yeah. and so she wipes my face for me and then they sew me up and realistically, stitching me up took, like, maybe another 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. which I was expecting longer. And then I'm wheeled into post-op. And you sit in post-op for a little bit mm-hmm. until the numbing starts to wear off and you have to be able to move your toes. Yeah. But w- they tell you when you get to post-op that they have to check your bleeding because right. they scoop everything out in in the OR, right? Like, you don't have to deliver the placenta or anything. Yeah. They try and get some... They use, like, lap pads and, like, sop up some of the blood while they're doing stuff so they can see. So there's not nearly as much bleeding. Mm-hmm. 
But there's still some, which is expected. I just got literally sliced open. So I'm laying on the bed in post-op and I'm still numb. And I'm talking with my, so my midwives that I had that I got removed from their care mm-hmm. still visited me in hospital the entire time. Oh. They were so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them happened to be in post-op for another lady who had just had a c-section oh cool so she walks by and she's like i was told you were here and comes mm-hmm. in and i'm talking to her and i look at her and we're talking and then i look back and my knee is like at a 90 degree angle on the bed straight up in my face oh, and i'm like i did not do that yeah and the nurse is like so sorry that was me i have to check your bleeding and i'm like you just aggressively moved my leg and we're like she's fine she oh, won't notice yeah i just look back and my leg is in a whole other position i didn't feel it and i'm like i guess i'm not ready to go back upstairs That's yet so bizarre and it was yeah. so weird so then it took like 45 minutes mm-hmm. for me to be able to move my toes to the point where they're like you're good um and i had a catheter in so the best sleep I've ever gotten in my life was yep. sleeping with a catheter in. Interesting. But six hours post-op, a fire alarm was pulled on the maternity ward, and I had to transfer from my bed with the catheter and everything to a, chair. To a wheelchair. No. <laughs> um, and the numbing had worn off. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I was in a little bit of pain. And I get into a wheelchair, and we're all just standing in the hallway. And I get the most pitiful looks from all of these women, because mm-hmm. they all have newborns with them. Yep. And I am very obviously no longer pregnant. No. And I am very obviously, like, catheter in, I just had major something happening. Yep. And I have no baby. And I'm every woman just gave me the look of, like, oh, no. And then they would, like, hide their babies every time they had to, like, pick. Like, if the baby cried, they were like, shh. Don't trigger her. Yeah. She'll cry. And I'm over there like, he's just in the NICU. He's yeah. okay. He's okay. Like, I volunteer for this. Like, yeah. I, I understand why you're worried. Yeah. But, like, they would, like, look around for the baby. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't there. And then they'd be like, oh. And their eyes would just go wide. And they'd be like, you need to hide this. Like, hide her. Like, move the baby. And I'm like, dude, it's okay. But I just felt bad because I didn't want to have to explain to every single person at no. 4 a.m., you know, why I had yeah, no we're baby all, with we're all me. babies crying too because of the noise. Yeah, yeah, there was, there was, that hallway was oh a mess. That whole, I felt, I've never felt worse for nurses, but they were just over there having a screaming fit. They were like oh competing for highest screech. Yeah. It was not. And then the fire alarm went off. Like the firefighter yep. showed up. They yep. turned it off. They were yep. like, it's a false alarm. Go back to your bed. And I'm like, you kind of just let me stay in bed. I was only, I was sitting in the hallway for like maybe 20 minutes. Ready to burn to death if something happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, can so you bad. just leave me yeah. in bed next time? Thank you. Yeah. So you, how long were you in the hospital after? Like 48 hours. Okay. Yeah. And in the notes that you gave me, you said you couldn't laugh. You couldn't walk. No, everything hurt. You couldn't hurt. sneeze. Couldn't use the bathroom. Everything. Yeah. Actually, mm. so... The not using the bathroom wasn't something I expected because yeah. I I couldn't use the bathroom for different reasons with my daughter. Mm-hmm. But this time, relaxing your muscles abdominally to be yeah. able to pee right. was such an uncomfortable experience. They just got cut open. Yeah, they were yeah. Literally, they literally just ripped them open with their fingers. I know. It, it goes back to the whole thing of like so many people think that C-section is the easy way out. But and then like I, I know people who have I had children and they're just like they're walking like three hours after having the child. Yeah, I had to yeah. walk at like an eighty degree angle for a little bit because yeah. I couldn't straighten up because they just sewed everything back together so it yeah. was tight and it was gross. Also, my C section scar is like weirdly low, 
Oh. Um, like it's not quite in the right spot. Mm. It's like pelvic bone, not like underwear line. Oh, interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, 100%. So it felt like it was pulling like my entire crotch up when oh, I stood no. up, which yeah. was just not thrilling. You didn't ask for a vulva lift. No, I really didn't. I was not over there being like, can I just get like a little vaginoplasty over down there? I just want like a little nip tuck. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, it, none. Um, but it felt like they did. And so that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Pooping was scary. Yeah. Um, Horrible. Th- just again, relaxing of the muscles. Mm-hmm. Nothing felt right. Um, and then like, if I laughed or anything, I had to like hold my stomach in place because so abdominal muscles, yeah. you know, like it was just, it was a weirdly different recovery than the vaginal. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was honestly expecting it to be easier. Yeah. I was expecting just, Oh wow. That was, that was so nice. There's no baby. Mm-hmm. I will point out that my stomach was a lot flatter immediately afterwards. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like with my daughter, I came out of it looking five six months pregnant yeah ethan i looked like i was petite i have a photo of myself in the mirror wearing like a sports bra and panties Mm -hmm. um but like i have a completely flat stomach and you can see the actual like incision with stitches in it still oh my gosh and like there was no way i was hitting i have a photo of me 24 hours after having my daughter and Mm -hmm. i literally look like i'm ready to have another baby what isn't that it's just yeah. bizarre yeah so weird yeah but and it can take a while for that swelling to go down too mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then the whole like i had to get used to maneuvering with incision on my stomach yeah so like once i got home like pants oh yeah that kind of thing yeah. was really difficult she we just lived up... in onesies yeah <laughs> right i really considered dresses yeah for a while um but then we used just, like, gauze and would, like, cover the incision. So we right. had, like, some padding. Yeah. The issue was my stitches would catch. Mm-hmm. They usually staple for a C-section. I should specify that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm allergic to metal. Um, so I couldn't have staples put in. Right. Um, because we were worried that they would reject. And yeah. however much it is a medic, like, a surgical steel, mm-hmm. I guess, or whatever. Like, it's body-safe metal. Yeah. Um, I reject everything. Yeah. I rejected an IUD. Oh my god. It just like popped it out. It just literally like my body was like, no. Yeah. yeah. So like we weren't risking it. Mm-hmm. I was like, of all the things you do, please just stitch me. I don't care. Yeah. Um, so they used dissolving stitches, which was kind of nice. Hmm. Um, I did have to cut a couple of them because I didn't quite dissolve right, but I hear that's a regular. I had that with my wisdom teeth, and I was just like, I I can do it here. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. so I like, once all the other stitches were gone, mm-hmm. it we waited, like, a few extra days, and yeah. they weren't budging, and I was like, done. Yeah. Where's Ethan at this point? He's in France. No, I mean, like, at this point in oh, the Oh, at this point? Yeah. Sorry. I was like, oh, well, no, he hasn't. Yeah, yeah sorry. That's <laughs> fine. He, he's in the NICU. Yes. Um, with his dads. Yeah. Um, I... Did you see him at all? Yeah, so I actually went to visit him in NICU, and then because I was technically the birth mother, I was allowed to go visit him even after I was released from hospital, which we didn't think was going to be able to happen because of COVID. Yeah. Um, So I was allowed to go back in, and Mm -hmm. I pumped for a little bit. I don't produce milk easily for babies at all. Yeah. Um, So I pumped for like a week and a half and Mm -hmm. got him what I could, but realistically, he had to be put on formula anyway because he wasn't going to live down the road no you know like i'm not pumping and delivering it to yeah. them 
Um, so he got moved to formula very quickly, but right. I did supplement. He got colostrum and stuff okay. from me, which they were thrilled about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in NICU for like 10 or 11 days. Mm-hmm. And then he was released and mm-hmm. we went and we got to hang out with him at the Airbnb that his dads were staying at cool. with him. Yeah. Um, did you go to your house for like yeah. normal stuff? So we went to my house. Actually, they brought him over a few times. Oh, cute. Um, my best friend got to come with me to meet him. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to hold him. My grandma was actually in town. Oh. We had hired her to babysit my daughter because I was hospitalized. So she was actually in town, and we were like, hey, we're going to go visit Ethan. So she got to come and meet the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, yeah, it was really nice. I did a lot of, like, I felt very, like, grandmotherly in a way. Yeah. Because I had to teach the boys how to parent. Yeah. Like, they, they had no... They had, like, nieces and nephews. But yeah. they weren't the sole caregiver for a newborn, especially not a preemie. No. He actually weighed... He was six pounds and six ounces. He was born. Yeah. Um, but he was 35 weeks, so that's a good weight for a preemie baby. Yeah. Usually you hear it's like, mm-hmm. oh, 27, 28 weeks, and they're like two pounds. And, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so he, he was a solid weight, um, mm-hmm. and then he went, he was a little colicky right after he left the NICU, which is mm-hmm. actually apparently really normal mm-hmm. for them to just be really, like, anxious all the time and cry over yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, the NICU's so loud and everything, there's so much white noise yeah. that when they leave the NICU, they're suddenly quiet, mm-hmm. and they just are like, what is happening? Right. They went from being inside a body. Yeah. To in a NICU with machines and beeping and oxygen and all of this stuff so and what? talking yeah. to a home yeah. where there's no noise. No. I've I've heard multiple times too about like if births are traumatic and that kind of stuff too, that like those people actually tend to be like more stress prone like later in life and all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. too. So it's all like a lot of stuff in your life goes back to mm-hmm. how you were brought into this world. And Which is interesting. It is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was funny to me that he didn't have a cone head, actually. Oh, because of the way he came out? Because he was footling, so his head was oh, yeah. never down. Which yeah. means that he never developed a weird shaped head. And then all of a sudden he was out, and he had never sat in the birth canal or anything to get a cone head. Right. Like, even my daughter, she wasn't in the birth canal very long. Mm -hmm. And she had, like, the littlest bit of, like, kind of an odd-shaped head. Yeah. But Ethan had, like, a perfectly normal-shaped head as soon as he came out. And that was something that I didn't... Stereotypical TV baby. Yeah, Yeah. and that was something that I didn't, like, think about. Yeah. (laughs) And then I saw him, and I was like, where's the point? Like, where... Yeah. Okay, cool. So, obviously, like, the, the dad's have Ethan. Everything's going well. And then what about the goodbye? Like, how does that all work? So I go see a lawyer right after, like, mm-hmm. once I was able to maneuver. Mm-hmm. I, like, 10 days postpartum. Okay. We met at the lawyer's office. And basically, I sign over all of my rights. Yeah. I basically gift them a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, like, sign over paperwork. Basically, it's, like, a weird adoption situation. Definitely, yeah. This, that, whatever. And then I... They book a ticket to fly home. And then they're gone. And then they leave. Huh. And it was very streamlined. Like, as soon as they're like, hey, this is the date we leave, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wait. But why? Mm-hmm. We did have the midwives come. We went to the midwives with him mm-hmm. um, for like 
postpartum checkups on me and baby. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of nice because we got to go and do those together. So the dads kind of got to see, like, they were fascinated by my incision. Oh. Which was odd to me, but, like, when when the nurse would come in to check, like, the first time it happened, both of them were like, we'll leave. And I'm like, it... It's like, it's like my stomach. Like it's yeah. not, like it's not like they're looking. You're not flashing them, right? Yeah. And I was like, it's okay. Like you guys don't have to leave. And so Fred turned around because he, yeah, doesn't do girls. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna say they're also like gay men, so like seeing like women yeah, like that Fred is was totally super like, uncomfortable about yeah. it. Sam was a little more like, eh, I have no attraction to you. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and even seeing it from a medically necessary point of view, like it's not supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, like when I was pumping and stuff, yeah. like they like Fred was always super awkward about it, but like I was so casual about it that yeah. Sam was like, She doesn't care, I don't care. Yeah. She just birthed a human. She's okay. But then like the nurse came in to check and then Sam was like, Can I like look? Like I'm curious. Like yeah. was, he walked into the room while they were opening me up. Like yeah. He was just intrigued by it. And so mm-hmm. I was like, Yeah, sure. So the nurse was like, Well, here you go and like showed him and like like kind of explained to him a little bit mm-hmm. and he was like it's so big and I'm like it'll shrink it's it's not like it's really not that large of an incision no. when you think about it no but like it'll it'll shrink it's okay enough to get a baby out yeah right yeah. they need to fit a head out you know realistically they fit a head out a lot of smaller things yeah than the incision they cut into my stomach yeah so I'm absolutely. not yeah, but no, it was very interesting that they were so curious and also so awkwardly uncomfortable with the yeah, whole situation. totally. So we've gone over pretty much everything from the surrogacy, pregnancy, and C-section, all of that kind of stuff. So now we're going to move on to your vaginal birth. And you had a very textbook pregnancy like we talked about, and it's time to push human out of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was contracting randomly like, the day or two before I actually went into labor mm-hmm. and everybody always talks about Braxton Hicks and how there's so much like normal contractions and I honestly do believe that I was having Braxton Hicks during those couple days but I started having really intense ones in the middle of my final for my cooking course because I was actually in culinary school while pregnant with her and just kind of worked through them <laughs> Finished that course, went home, and then woke up at like midnight Mm -hmm. the next morning. Just uncomfy. I couldn't get comfortable. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get... Nothing was helping. I tried pillows. I tried the couch. I tried the rocking chair. I had a lazy boy, so we all know that I could have fallen asleep in like three (laughs) seconds, right? No, didn't happen. So, 1.30 rolls around, and Ben, like, you know what? Screw it. And so I stand in the living room, and I set up my phone on the, like, um coffee table in my living room and there was some outdoor outside of the pregnancy issues that were happening at the time including the fact that I had a woman and her three children living in my spare room in a two-bedroom apartment because they were homeless yep Mm -hmm. and so I stood in the living room and I was contracting and I was wearing like a heavier pad and some panties because I figured with if my water broke it wouldn't be as messy to clean up. You want somewhere for it to go. Yeah, yeah. I was like, if, if I have to clean this up, at least I can just take a pad yeah. off, change that out, not really have to worry about it, you know? Yeah. So I did that, and I was standing in the living room, contracting, 
And it started out really easy. Like, mm-hmm. it was, like, 10 minutes apart, like, 15, 20-second contractions. Mm-hmm. They were enough that I was like, that was a that was a tightening. But there wasn't really any pain. Right. So that happened, I, and then this slowly built in intensity, and I was just kind of, like, swaying in the living room through them. And then they got to the point where they were a little more intense, and it was probably, like, 3.30 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning at this point. And I went and I stood on the balcony outside at my apartment. And I can I set up my phone on the air conditioner. I took it with me, put in my headphones, watched baby haul videos on YouTube. I made myself a coffee. <laughs> I was yeah. like, we're going to do this right. I was swaying and I hit the point where I had one contractor. And I was like, oh. This is getting real. I think this might be it. So I went in the house and I put on clothes because I was still in like boxers and a sports bra. She was a July baby. It was warm. I didn't care. And I stand in the house for a little bit and I start walking instead of just swaying. And that Mm -hmm. was kind of the sign that I should have really paid attention to was the moment I couldn't stand still anymore. Right. So I start walking and I'm pacing and I'm pacing. And I start noticing that every contraction, I feel like I'm peeing myself. Mm. Like it literally, like I feel like it is literally tightening on my bladder and I'm peeing. Right. And it's just a little bit. And I honestly think I'm peeing and I just ignore it. And so it's about 7.45. Okay, so I've been contracting for like six hours. You've been up all night. I've been up all night. Yeah. And I go, okay, you know what? This is this is the real deal. The contractions... They weren't quite the like five one one rule. So basically, you want like every five minutes, at least mm-hmm. a minute per contraction for at least an hour. Mm-hmm. Is like the quote unquote rule. Yeah. They changed it. I think they recently made it four one one now. Mm-hmm. But either way, um, I wasn't quite at either of those points. Like I had a contraction timer on my phone, and it was not telling me to go to the hospital. But I all of a sudden like started just feeling anxious Mm. like I just got panicky right and I was like okay so I go and I wake up my boyfriend at the time and I'm like hey I'm in labor like we're we're having a baby yeah and he goes okay five more minutes and he rolls over and goes back to sleep and I go and I wake up the lady in the other room and she comes to the hospital with us and uh we're driving there, and my partner rear-ends somebody on the way to the hospital. Oh, my God. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> what are the So the, actu- the person here rear-ends, actually, I get out of the car, and I'm pacing, contracting, mm-hmm. while they're exchanging details. I don't care. I'm not paying attention to what they're doing. No. I'm pacing, and I'm like, okay. And so the dude that he rear-ends looks, realizes that I am, like, having a baby on the side of the road, pretty yeah. much. And is like, you know what? There's no damage. You go. Like, good luck. And I'm like, thank goodness. So I haul my ass back in the car, and we take off. And I get to the hospital, and we, like, check in and all this stuff. And I go up to the top floor, and I walk in, and they're like, what can we do for you? And I'm like, I'm in labor. And they look at me, and they're like, how far along are you? Because I wasn't very big. Mm-hmm. I was measuring, like, 37 weeks at 39 weeks. So I was, I was, I was kind of small but I was obviously pregnant you were able to have a healthy baby yeah right yeah so I was like okay and she's like I'm sorry you're what and I'm like I'm in I'm in labor Mm -hmm. and she was like okay well let's like get you in a triage hook you up to the test monitors whatever 
So they do that, and yep, I'm I'm in labor. My test strips are coming back. Baby's doing great. She's just thriving. Um, she knows what she's doing. She triggered it. She's over there like I'm. I know my role. Yep. Thank you. Um, and they hook me up to the IV. I have a mini panic attack because IVs and I are not friends. Um, and then they push antibiotics because I was uh, groupie strep positive. Oh. Which basically just means that there was like groupie strep is a thing that it's a bacteria that naturally grows in the vagina. Yeah. That can just have an overgrowth. Mm-hmm. And if the baby like gets it into their lungs while they're being delivered, it can cause an infection. Yeah. Basically, they just give me antibiotics that I didn't have to worry about that. I keep on seeing on TikTok people not knowing they're about to get swabbed for it. And they're like, why is this person swabbing my Yeah, my it's, it's a full, it's like a full, like, side to side over the vag. Yep. And then, like, right down into the butthole. And yep. people are like, that was gross. And I was like, they didn't warn you? I had to do my own with the surrogacy. Oh, interesting. Because it was COVID. So yeah. So they weren't doing cervical checks. Which was, I was like, how do I know I'm doing it right? And they're like, realistically, just... Yeah, hope for the best. I'm like, okay, thank you. Get some stuff on it. Yeah, yeah, they were like, as long as you touch it, it's it will find it. I'm like, you're right. Okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, so they hook me up to the monitors, all of that, and then they're waiting for a room to open. Um. So I'm kind of stuck in triage, and the nurse is like, "Would you like some pain relief?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? That would be nice." They checked me. I was like four centimeters. It's far enough, far yeah. enough along that they were like, "Okay." You're mm-hmm. having a baby. Yeah. Not quite far enough that along that they were like, you're having a baby in the next 20 minutes. Yeah. You know? And it was like 8.45 a.m. Mm-hmm. Timeline-wise. So I get given a dose of fentanyl through my IV, which made me tired. I wanted to have a nap. I was ready to just close my eyes and go to sleep. And I was ready to just yell at anybody who came into the room for bothering me because I just wanted to sleep. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it has a 30-minute half-life. Okay. So within 45 minutes, that was completely out of my system. Like, there was no... It mm-hmm. was the fastest. And they're supposed to double dose. So they dose, and then they're coming and they dose again. Okay. To make up for that half-life or whatever. Right. Well, I told them no. I was like, do not come in and give me that second dose. And they were like, okay, understood. Roger, Captain. All right. Um... They finally get a, like, a delivery room available. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, we got a room. I'm like, okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I go, and I get into a room, and I'm in the room, and we kind of, like, do a little room tour, and I'm excited, and there's a bathroom, mm-hmm. and Kelowna does not offer bathtubs, and I was really mad about mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. I wanted to labor in the water. Yeah. Wasn't an option. Yeah. Was a little frustrated. So my ex... And suddenly people will realize why he's my ex. Decided that his best friend got dropped off at the hospital with ice caps for them. I was in labor. Yeah. So he and his best friend are sitting on the couch watching me in pain. Just talking about video games. And I'm like, I hate you. Get the fuck out of the room. Yeah. Go. Leave. Thank you. And they go, okay, well, we haven't really eaten. It was like noon at this point. Mm -hmm. I'd been in the room. I was like... Five and a half, I could stretch to a six centimeter. Mm-hmm. So I've been progressing. It's been happening hours. pretty fast. It's going yeah. well. I'm not, I'm not like taking my sweet time. No. But I'm also not like powering through the centimeters, you yeah. know? 
And they were like, we're going to go just like run downstairs to the like cafe thing Mm -hmm. and grab something to eat and then we'll just eat it and come back up. Yeah. And the nurse was like, she is like five and a half, maybe a six. You guys have time. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And I was like, please get out of the room. Thank you. So they leave. And that means that the only person in the room is the lady Mm -hmm. that was staying at my house. And she doesn't really matter past the fact that she was there for this. Yeah. She's taking pictures. Because I asked her to. Okay. Yeah. Right? And so she's taking pictures, and I have a good contraction, and I'm still breathing through it, and I have no nitrous, so I have no gas, I have no pain relief, I have Mm -hmm. nothing, I've denied everything. The nurse comes back in, she's like, would you like the epidural? I'm like, I probably will. Yes. Mm Absolutely. And, like, I'm breathing through contractions, I'm cracking jokes during contractions. Mm -hmm. I am technically rocking my pain management like yeah. I'm doing good you're supposed to not be able to talk through contractions when you know you're in active labor I mm-hmm. was like centimeter wise in active labor and, and I was like this is fine yeah you see women who are like blue in the face yeah just and I'm like, over there like mm-hmm. laughing yeah I'm like this is fine yeah um and then I have one good contraction and all of a sudden my water breaks and it's just like this gush Oh, all over everything the you were trying to prevent. And I was yeah. like, man, I'm not even wearing a pad. Mm-hmm. I'm not even wearing pants. We are, we are so far beyond the pad stage. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I contract my water breaks. I have mm-hmm. another contraction almost immediately stacked on top of each other, like one after the other. Yeah. And I'm like, that was weird. And the lady that was in the room with me, she's like, I'm going to like, just go grab a nurse because your water just broke and just like let her know. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. So I'm like, I'm laying on my left side. I'm kind of in the fetal position. I have one leg like up mm-hmm. between my, between like my thigh and my shin. Yep. Yep. And then my other leg is like on an angle. So I'm kind of like half turned, half not. Just mm-hmm. kind of trying to be comfortable yep. as I can in the moment. And the nurse comes in and she's like, I heard that your water might have broken. And I'm like, yeah, like there was a big gush, but like, unlike in the movies, like I don't really know how much water it was, mm-hmm. but like there was definitely like something there. And she was like, okay, we'll just look. Mm-hmm. No worries. I'm like, okay, great. So she takes a look. And at this point I haven't had another contraction yet. Like it was, I had those two really quick mm-hmm. and then there was kind of a lull yeah. for a minute. And I was like, that's weird. And so she's like, okay, like, it looks like you're still contracting. Like, you're having little ones. Yeah. But you haven't had a big one in a minute or two. That sometimes happens. Mm -hmm. Basically, like, your body gets such a relief from the water breaking that it has to, like, readjust to contract your uterus because Mm -hmm. there's suddenly no resistance. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. While she's saying this, I start to have a contraction. I'm like, oh, yeah, that. Okay. It was uh, more painful than it was before my water broke, which I've heard is really normal. Okay. Um, as soon as your water breaks, your contractions just get more intense mm-hmm. because there's no resistance. So it's just pure Makes muscle on yeah. muscle, you know? Yeah. So I'm contracting. She does a quick... They are fast, by the way. When they like change out the pads and stuff on the bed, they're like, boop, boop, done. I'm like, you've done this a million times and I can tell. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So she was in and out of the room within like five minutes and was like, we already know you're in labor. Your mm-hmm. water breaking does not change the fact you're in labor. Yeah. We'll come back and check you. I'm like, okay. So I'd had one contraction while she was there. And my next contraction, my body pushed. 
Oh. Just entirely forced yeah. down. And it was like the sweetest relief mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Was feeling my body push. And I was like, oh, that was nice. And yeah. the lady taking pictures was like, did did you just push? <laughs> and I was like, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can't I, help it. It's your I natural like, instinct to yeah, do so. Yeah. No. My body was like, now's the time. Yeah. And she was like, you aren't, like, you're only, you're only like six centimeters. Like, you aren't, you aren't supposed to push. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing it anyways. Yeah. um, (laughs) She was like, okay. I lied about the time. It was like 1.45 when the boys went to go get lunch. Okay. Yeah. And I know that. You'll see. Um, I know where this is going. Yeah. So, so I push. And I'm like, oh, that was that was lovely. And yeah. then about 30 seconds later, I have another push contraction. And she goes, I'm calling the nurse. And I'm like, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. And I roll onto my, like, I kind of, like, flop over again to, like, watch her leave. Mm-hmm. The nurse comes in and is like, um, I heard you pushed. <laughs> and behind her comes three more nurses. <laughs> and I was like, I did, and then I have a contraction, and I push, and she's like, oh, no, like, you actually, oh, my. Yeah. And it starts getting shit. Yep. And she immediately checks me, mm-hmm. looks, and is like, that's the baby's head. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, that's the what? And she's like, you're crowning. Like, yeah. do not push. And I'm like, you want me to not push yeah. right now? So my doctor had been sent home. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, we didn't even have, like, the table with the, like, delivery instruments on it in the room yet. Like, yeah. they, first time mom had a six centimeters. We yeah. were taking our time. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So the, the lady calls my ex and goes, hey, you need to get back in the room right now. Like, you, your baby is, like, on its way. Mm-hmm. He is like, but I haven't even gotten my pizza yet. And she's like, dude, I don't care. Have like have your friend take it. Right? Yeah. Like, hurry up. So he's booking it up the stairs, I guess. I I, I can't just the mentality sometimes. Like, I need my pizza. No, I need Your child's being born. Yeah, no, he didn't care. No. He, no. No. So whatever. Mm-hmm. So now she's recording. Okay. She's videotaping it. Yeah. Okay? So they call whatever doctor is on the floor into the room. And it's like, hey, baby. And the doctor's like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's time. And so they roll me onto my back, like a little more aggressively. I had not had the epidural. I still have not had pain meds. I have not had anything. I was six centimeters less than 20 minutes ago. And all of a sudden, I am on my back. And they're like, okay, next time you have a contraction, you can push two pushes and she was born and she was born at 2:21 p.m so i went from at 145 yeah i was five and a half centimeters yeah and i had my baby girl at 2:21 p.m which means that i went four and a half centimeters yeah in like 30 ish minutes Oh my gosh, just so fast. So fast. All of a sudden, just boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the anesthesiologist walks in. And I'm like, you're late. And then I kick him out. <laughs> the, like, the weird part about that delivery was realistically, 
just how fast it all of a sudden went. Mm-hmm. But like the sweet relief of pushing, I will yeah. remember for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like I'm not planning on having medication with this one because I'm like, I just want to experience the feeling of pushing again. Hmm. Like literally, like yeah. it was like an adrenaline high. That makes sense. It was yeah. so weird. And you're excited too. I, yeah. For the end result, right? Literally. Yeah. And also, as soon as that baby was out, it stopped. Yes. Which was weird. Like, as soon as she was born. Yeah. Also, the worst part was not the head. Okay. Shoulders. Oh, it's so Shoulders long. were yeah. way worse than the head. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I didn't really have the ring of fire. Hmm. So there's, like, this thing where it's the ring of fire. And basically what happens is that, like, the head causes everything to stretch. So it literally just feels like you're burning because you're stretching. Yeah. I guess because it went so fast. It went so fast and I tore. Yes. I never had the ring of fire because I never stretched. I just ripped. I had a fourth degree down and a fourth degree up, which means that I ripped into the muscle musculature of the next corresponding genitalia, basically. Right. So that... Basically, in normal people terms, I ripped my butthole mm-hmm. and I ripped into my urethra. And then I also ripped side to side in two different, like left and right mm-hmm. in a, like a, like a V pattern. Mm-hmm. So I ripped in like two directions, both directions. Yeah. Um, so I had six tears total. Mm-hmm. And internal. Yeah. My yeah. butthole. <laughs> needed some help yeah. um, I ripped into the anal muscle of the second ring of muscle in the anus yeah um and so I had 60 plus stitches mm-hmm. I only was able to count once they were falling out so I would catch them and count them and I had like I counted 62 mm-hmm. but I also know that I probably did not count them all there's probably at least like 10 more. Yeah, right? 15, yeah. Yeah, so I had a lot of stitches. Peeing sucked. <laughs> but I didn't even notice them numb me for the stitching. Mm. I didn't notice any of that. I, everything I was so I, trauma response. Yeah. It was in shock. And I was in shock. And the adrenaline of just having a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, however, remember them pulling the placenta. So they didn't let me deliver it. I remember the distinct feeling of them reaching up and, like, grabbing the umbilical cord and, like, pulling the placenta out. Yeah, I know some people say it feels like a rip. I, it felt just like a, like a firm tug. And I think I was just in so much pain without realizing I was in pain. I was in shock at that point, right? I do remember she was born so fast. So they're supposed to, like, once the head is out, you'll see them often, like, swipe their fingers mm-hmm. against the vaginal opening mm-hmm. in, like, birth videos mm-hmm. and stuff. And a lot of people think that they're just, like, helping stretch a little bit because it goes big, small on the neck and then right. big again for the shoulders. Yeah. They're actually checking the umbilical cord um, to see where it is on their neck. Right. I went, I had her so quickly, mm-hmm. like, I literally had the head and shoulders and I delivered them in the same contraction. We... They weren't able to check for her umbilical cord before she was born. Mm -hmm. So by the time she was out, she was putting pressure on the umbilical cord Mm -hmm. and she had it around her neck twice. Mm -hmm. Um, So she actually didn't immediately cry and was blue. Like she was a blue purple because she had like low oxygen, Um, which was fine. She came to, obviously Mm -hmm. she's five. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was just like something that I didn't think about was just the speed of that. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was like, hey. Like, they didn't, they weren't able to make sure that this was okay. But thankfully, she was delivered so fast, it really didn't make any difference at that point. Mm-hmm. As soon as she came out on the video, 
that the lady kept and then deleted. Oh, rude. Yeah, without sending to me. Oh. I was so mad. You can see the doctor, like, notice and immediately just grab the the scissors and, like, cut and cord off. Good. Because at that point, she, like, her, once the shoulders are out, they just mm. kind of slip out like a fish. I've, I've watched many birth videos. Yeah, like, they, they just, do. yeah. There was, what else is, what else are they going to do? They're followed by, like, whatever left is left of amniotic fluid. Yeah. And blood and stuff. But, like, he didn't need to keep the cord attached at that point, and her health was more important than a delayed cord clamp anyway, so I didn't care. She was, like, immediately put up on my chest, and then they, I felt them pull and start to stitch, and I was just so distracted by the, like, squirmy wet thing that they just plopped into my boob, because I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. The nurses, like, were just in shock, I think. The one nurse that measured me at a six, I remember hearing her and the other nurse, like, I think it was the charge nurse that followed her in mm-hmm. when she came back in and then like three other ones came in. It was like a charge nurse and then like a couple of others. And the charge nurse asked her, she was like, I thought you said she was six. And the nurse was like, she was 12 minutes ago. And the nurse was like, what? Mm-hmm. And she was like, she measured a six at like whatever time. Yeah. And the nurse was like, oh. And she was like, yeah, thank you. Like, and I was like, no, no, like, it really was just fast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it went super fast. It was so fast. In comparison to the C-section, it felt like it took yeah. seconds. Oh, my gosh. Like, so, the C-section was just so much pre, prep, like, pre-warning. Yeah. Like, I had so much notice. And then Talia was just like, it's time. Yeah. I'd like to be born today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, now you have a baby. Boom, yeah. you have a child. It's your yeah. first child. What were the next eight hours or so like? I got stitched up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had to teach me how to use the bathroom. Right. So like a peri bottle. Um, basically, mm. basically think like a spray bottle with like a nozzle cap on it. Like, yeah. a, like a pine saw. That's the vibe we're going for, okay? <laughs> basically, you're supposed to fill it up with lukewarm water and then you spray it on your urethra while you're peeing. Mm. So that it dilutes it. The issue is that I had stitches everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so nothing was quite diluting enough, and it felt like I was just peeing acid oh, onto, like, Lord. lemon juice on a paper cut. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, it was not It was not pleasant. Mm. So that was a struggle, which is why I said that the C-section pain was weird to me, because relaxing the muscles didn't hurt for a vaginal, like, for a vaginal delivery, because... Mm-hmm. They were, they were intact. They mm-hmm. were fine. But the burning, I didn't have with a C-section. I only yeah. had with the vaginal. Because I had torn into my anal muscles, I got um, a very lovely nurse who had to explain to me how to go number two, which is, in my notes, I believe I called it the glove. Yes. So I had to put on a glove. Oh, no. And I had to use my two middle fingers. No. My, like My, like, ring finger and my pointer yeah. finger. And I had to reach down and support the incision on my anal so you didn't muscles. Fucking pop it open. So I didn't rip yeah. my anal muscles open when I went number two, which meant I literally just sat there like basically fingering my butthole every yeah. time I needed to poop. Yeah. Which was somehow more humiliating than the fact that I needed to hold my butthole closed. Yeah. Because it was more awkward to be like, I have to go find my glove before I can go poop, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And also they tell you to like take stool softeners yeah prior to birth mm-hmm. so that you don't have to worry about like being constipated because that would be worse 
But what was worse than that was the fact that it meant that the glove was a lot dirtier because it yeah. was a lot softer. Yeah. So there was a lot more cleanup. It yeah. just felt so ex- it was so much more it messy than lot. it needed to be. Yeah. Um, and then if like I was pooping and mid poop I had to pee, I had to like figure out the peri bottle and Ugh. all this. It was a mess. So much going on. There was so much happening. Yeah. And then I had to like learn how to sit because mm-hmm. that was not comfortable in any way, shape, or no. form. How long did it take for all of the stitches to be done? gone okay out. there's a no no i know internal like, ones like can last two, a long time like two and a half weeks for me to not really notice them anymore yeah. but probably like three and a half weeks for them to all be out yeah but it took probably like five and a half six weeks for me to sit properly yeah well because muscles take a long time to yeah. heal too yeah right mm-hmm. and then yeah i did rip a few stitches and i have like a fissure in the scar mm-hmm. and i have very visible scarring however i was told that um everything healed up lovely i had a few like ob's comment on the fact that they wouldn't have guessed that i'd had that many stitches mm-hmm. when i tell them and i'm like oh that's good i'm glad i guess um i ripped right clean through a labia mm-hmm. poor thing which was such an odd thing to like have to heal yeah. because it touches your underwear like yeah you know yeah and then also wearing a pad because i was postpartum bleeding mm, the brushed whole time. against it all the time and it got caught it would yeah. get stuck they would tug it yeah. was just not a and pleasure. you have a newborn baby yes and an ex for. that decided pizza was more important which tells you about the level of parenting he was doing with yeah. that newborn baby yeah um yeah it was just a whole the C-section recovery was nicer in ways and also mm-hmm. harder in others mm-hmm. than the vaginal. But I also feel like I had a pretty extreme vaginal recovery yeah. that a lot of people don't even really consider yeah. a thing. No, yeah. totally. So were you able to... You probably didn't breastfeed because you didn't with Ethan no. either. So no, so I, I tried to pump desperately um, mm-hmm. and I ended up actually pumping blood I was pumping so aggressively lactation consultants are jerks they'll come in and be like you need to do this for your baby and I'm like yeah. I'm going to have a mental breakdown I'm yeah. good I have a cousin who had to have um god what did she have removed she has something removed kind of like in her lymph nodes beside her breast mm-hmm. like kind of arm pity arm like oh, okay. chestish area and she could not produce yeah could not produce I anything. also have yeah. weird nipple anatomy Okay, fair. Um, so, so hard for a baby to Like, latch. it was hard for a latch. Yeah. Tal was just slightly lip-tied. Yeah. And so that was just a mess. Yeah. And amongst itself. I tried, like, the nipple shields and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just made Tal lazy. Because she would just, like, wait for it to fill up with milk and then suck it out <laughs> and then wait for it to... Because yeah. my nipple wasn't actually filling the nipple shield. It was just literally, like, a pocket on top of the nipple. Right. Because I have no external nipple. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. When yeah. I'm pregnant, there's something. But, mm-hmm. like... Totally, yeah. So yeah. my cousin wasn't able to pump it all. Like, she couldn't get anything out. Oh, yeah. And the lactation nurse came in and was like, you yeah. need to try harder. And she's like, do you not see me right now? Like, I'm trying as yeah. hard as lactation I can. lactation consultants are dicks. She's had, like, horrendous surgery to her body, and she literally could not produce. And it's yeah. just really sad, you know? Um, yeah. So then we switched Tal to formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tal is actually lactose intolerant. Oh. And we learned that the hard way when she was a baby. And so yeah. I had to switch her to another formula. 
Yeah. And man, formula is expensive. It's so pricey. I'm yeah. not looking forward to it yeah. this time. <laughs> and the now there's shortages of it too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Costco no longer carries regularly their lactose sensitive oh. formula, which was the cheapest option. Damn. Um, mm. Costco formula also used to be like $28 for like 1.3 kilograms. Yeah. And it's now 40 Jeez, those price jumps though. Yeah. Yeah. No, well. I'm not excited. <laughs> no. After a pretty routine night with a newborn. Yeah. It was first poop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Which I was expecting, and I don't think my ex was. <laughs> he had to change it so he's a little mad. But yeah, no, that, nothing really exciting. Nothing too crazy. And then you were discharged the next morning. Yeah, and I uh, struggled with her because she was six pounds and mm-hmm. 11 ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a full-term baby, that was pretty small, but she was like 19 and a half inches long. So she was long and thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't quite fit in the car seat properly because <laughs> she was so thin. Yeah. Um, so we had a nurse come in and have to like explain how to do the car seat. And we got taught this like receiving blanket thing where you basically make what looked like pops or like lollipops out of the receiving blanket. So oh. you would like fold it and then roll it so it was like a long tube yeah and then roll the top over and then like stick it next to their head against the car seat on top of the buckles oh so that there was no like issues because those like head supports you put in the car seat aren't even legal in canada apparently i don't know either way um so this (laughs) nurse was like really concerned for us and i was like ma'am i'm not planning to leave the house did you see my chart I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't need to walk anywhere. I don't need to go anywhere. I'm yeah. not even excited. Like, if I could, I would, like, heli back to my house right now. I don't want to sit in the car. Right? Like, Ten-minute drive is too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was unhappy. Yeah, but, no, we went home with her. I immediately was anxious because I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. They don't exactly send you home. I was I was young. I had her. My birthday's in March, mm-hmm. and I, she's a July baby, and I turned 21. Mm-hmm. Um, that March so like I was I was young enough that I didn't really have besides like babysitting mm-hmm. I had no newborn experience no and your friends weren't having kids and, no and unless like, you had like a younger sibling but that's so different too yeah right like your younger sibling you're just a jerk too so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and then like my aunt had a baby when I was like 10 but like at this you point I'm not remembering much of what was happening then no and you right? weren't expected to like be a parental figure or like change diapers or yeah i just went for sleep. baby cuddles and then went home that yeah. was my life and now all of a sudden this baby like lives sleeps breathes poops bathes in my house mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know what i'm doing her first like nasty poop though i remember distinctly because i didn't think about the fact they have to clean it out of their clit oh yeah you have to clean like everything yeah so i folds. felt yeah. i felt like such a like a horrible parent yeah for, like having to like pull the hood and everything back yeah and then like i told the public nurse so the public health nurse like comes by a few days after you have the baby and just does like a routine check yeah make sure they're like doing their shit yeah Uh, check weight and stuff i think it's on you too honestly yeah i was just uh, it's a lot it was so much there was so much happening Mm -hmm. and then she came in and i was like i had to like like move bits around to like clean everything and she's like yeah you're supposed to yeah and i was like I'm not going to, like, hurt her. And she was like, honey, 
no, you're okay. I was like, are you sure? Because she cried, and I was yeah. worried. And the public health nurse was like, I'd rather she cry because you clean it properly than mm-hmm. she cry because it's not clean. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you're right. And that immediately quelled all fears. I was like, we're good. I'm doing great. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. She didn't gain weight for a little bit because she was super reflexy and colicky mm. and would just puke constantly. That was basically like yeah. the biggest issue. And now she's of. five. Yeah. And now she's five. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and is a giant pain in my butt. But yeah. that's okay. She's also really tall. Her dad's six too. Oh, So okay. she got all the genetics and she's a massive five-year-old. She was the tallest in her preschool class. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Well, thank you so much, Dale, for coming on today. That is the end of our podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm happy you were willing to listen about all of my child birthing yeah uh, gory details no absolutely (laughs) i think it it needs to be talked about more and more normalized so i appreciate it i'm sure people listening will appreciate it too i hope somebody (laughs) learned something yeah absolutely (laughs) that's that's the whole point of this whole podcast so yeah exactly perfect well thanks again for coming and everybody have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon bye